Hello, everybody. Before we get started, we wanted to let you guys know we are finished with season two. Yay! <laughs> you sounded like, um, so have you ever seen Madagascar? <laughs> yes. The little tiny, the little tiny chipmunk where um, he's like, um, you, here, you eat the fusa. And he's like, ah! Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not what I was trying to do. I'm sorry. I was trying to go for, no, like, generic crazy. child rejoicement. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we'll be releasing season three after that, obviously. That's Woo-hoo! how numbers work. Um, but just like the last season, we'll be releasing a bonus episodes in between, and you'll have more Avatar content to listen to. And once again, we will be doing an Ask Us Anything episode, so please, pretty please, send us any questions you might have about the show or about us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. That's A-I-R Bender P-O-D. What's the rest? At gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> you can also send us questions on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us both there at airbenderpod. That again, that's A-I-R-B-E-N-D-E-R-P-O-D. Again, please send us any questions you have. We'll cover anything from season one because uh, I wasn't a host. And we'll obviously be taking answers from season two. Since we are a spoiler-free show, we won't be answering any questions about anything that happens in the third and final season, but everything else is fair game, including questions about us personally. Whoa, Serena, nothing too personal. (laughs) We look forward to hearing from you. Now, on to the show. On to the show. Hey, Serena. Yes, Tyler. We did it. Season two is over. We killed it. It's done. Well, I killed it. Yeah, that's true. But (laughs) you still have to make an additional six episodes, and you will do them all by yourself. Oh, but I thought like I thought that my role was just like no, Serena. You don't you don't come in here and be like, hey, no, Serena. You don't think I was gonna let you off the hook, do you? Like. Just because you signed on, like, a few episodes, like, just well, because your I role mean, was supposed to come in and be like, hey, I'm just, like, supposed to sign on and just, like, do whatever. Like, you think I'd let you do whatever you want? I mean, I was kind of hoping that you would. Like, I'm pretty unassuming, so. <laughs> Okay, fine. You may briefly touch on them as this episode, but only as a treat. <gasps> oh! Yay, a treat! Oh, thank you. I was so nervous. <laughs> Mostly just because I want to talk... About the season as well. I'm Tyler Strandberg. And I'm Serena Rifles. And, and we all know you talk to... a lot. What? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was making an honest comment. <laughs> You're listening to the Avatar podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar, The Last Airbender, and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to the Avatar podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so today we'll be discussing and reflecting our opinions on season two. This is going to be a very freeform episode. Serena, tell me, what do you think about this episode? Okay, I have it written down. Let me grab Ooh, it. Oh, okay, good. You don't have any notes in the script, and I wrote all of my notes in the script, so I was like, are they written somewhere else? Or, like, is she just freeforming it? Yes, no, they're written down. <laughs> good. <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That sounded kind of shady, okay. and I promise it was not no, 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 totally get it. It's okay, let me know what you think. What do you think? <laughs> Season two wrap okay. up. What? I think, I think um, it was great, and I loved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, literally, it was a ride. I, I enjoyed that ride. A lot. Mm, I me think. Too, girl. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think in comparison to season one, um, 
season two just feels it feels more mature. It does. Um, yeah. Uh, there's more character depth. Um, you you um, you get tough here, um, uh, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, like I feel like I was amused by season one, but I was entranced with season yeah. two. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good analogy. Like, yes. Um, gosh. Um, another reason is um, I think Azula is a much better villain than Zuko. Agreed. Like, Agreed. I, Fully agree. Fully support her villainous, her majesty. I mean, like we know why Zuko wasn't a great villain. It's oh, because right. he has it's like because, a lot going oh, on. Yeah, but yeah. like Z- Azula has also a lot Azula going on, but like cut. in an antagonistic way. Yes, yes. And I and I think um, also oh, um, you know, there's more sh- social commentary in this season, which um, yeah. I think is really good and appropriate. Um, and I and, and I think that it was, it was good that they kind of saved it more for for season two, just to set up the world. And that sort of thing. I think if it's more appropriately in season two. I mean, yeah, I think I that people can watch Avatar and be aware of what's going on in the world, but it's also a form of escapism. It, like, checks both the marks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Personally, and I, I have a big problem with, like, the pieces of media that are premiering right now, which is like, we're going to make this next season centered around COVID. And it's like, can I not get, like, a moment where I can just escape? Um, exactly. And I feel like this... At, this, this series does a really good job of doing both. Like, it can escape from what's currently going on while also, like, it has themes that are relevant to what's happening. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with that. And my next point is that, um, I, and, and I think that this attests to the more mature feeling and, and, and how it grabs you is that in season two, it feels like there's more interlocking stories. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think about it, like, you know, like, one-off quests. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of, like, one off, like, oh, this doesn't really have anything to do with the plot line, but yeah. but it does, but it 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 does it in a way that interlocks with the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, and then in doing so, we learn more like about Appa. Um, mm-hmm. We learn more about Momo <laughs> and Tom. No, yeah, yeah, even and um, and I think it really does. It makes the stakes higher. The stakes does, are higher yeah. in season two. Yeah, it there's does. There's more on the line, and there's more to lose, mm-hmm. which makes it entrancing. It does. Yes. Yeah. Yes, those are my thoughts. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. Um, I would agree with you. I think this this season takes a much more like darker and serious tone. Um, and I really love how they don't treat the audience like they're stupid, but like they make things easy enough to comprehend. You know, this is very clearly a kids' show, and that like all of the themes they are making are very clearly understandable to children, but yeah. like they're re- they're relatable to adults too. Like I just said, mm-hmm. like you can watch the. Th- the show and like be able to see the themes and see how they're relatable to the real world. And I really love, love, love seeing like all these intense themes be present, especially the political ones, you know yes. me. Um, mm-hmm. And like as an adult, I'm, we had just talked in our bonus episode, like I didn't really understand certain things as a kid, but now as an adult, I'm, ar- I'm able to articulate like why this is so important and why it's so moving and why it's like such a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, and I just love that season for this. Um, on a similar note, um, Y'all let City of Walls and Secrets oh, yeah. flop. Yeah. <laughs> that episode did so poorly during our first week. And I am so upset because that is literally an amazing episode. So I'm going to dive into City of Walls and Secrets. Long okay. fang. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have to preface, I did not do much research into this. I literally just watched the movie Vice. And Ooh, I saw okay. a lot of similarities. So the movie Vice is basically about the... 
um, vice presidency of George W. Bush, and his oh. vice president was Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. And Long Fang operating behind the scenes is a commentary on Dick Cheney, who was the vice president to George W. Bush, because jo- oh. Dick Cheney did a lot, took a lot more power as the vice president, and he was able to manipulate George W. Bush into being able to do what he oh. wanted. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm only taking this information from that movie. Um, So, like, can't confirm that this is true or not. This is just the information that the movie presented itself to me. Mm -hmm. And it is not known to be fairly accurate. So, take this as you will. But, like, it makes a lot of sense because, like, the series themes were created and crafted. The series was kind of crafted as a response to the um, Iraq War. um, And especially during the George W. Bush presidency. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It makes a lot of sense, and it's still very prevalent today. And, like, I had no idea the amount of power that Dick Cheney held um, as a vice president, like, during the vice presidency. And that kind of makes sense to, like, how Long Fang was, like, controlling everything, like, behind the scenes. And, like, it was very influenced in, like, politics. And, like, it still affects, like, how politics act today, too. Oh, absolutely. I think that's why, like, the series was super relevant Mm -hmm. um, as kids, you know? Like... And that's why it was such a great show when it was premiering. But it's still relevant now because, like, it was crafted in a response to a presidency that shaped how the country is currently acting today. That just uh, it's, when, when it's something a is, lot. is so and, and I and I hesitate to use the word timeless, but mm-hmm. you know when, when something is so apparent and it. And I also hesitate to say like Shakespeare because honestly, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, you know it it it. It was written so well and and just so, I don't know, I'm kind of at a loss for words because I do think, honestly, that Avatar The Last Airbender will go down as a classic piece of media. I do too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it will forever. I mean, it got its renaissance when it hit Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, And I have forever stuck by that this is one of the greatest greatest pieces of media ever created. Um, And yeah, I, I really think it'll go down like that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you see a masterpiece and you're just like, that is timeless. Um, I hate to be cliche, but Parasite, the recent best picture winner, that is a piece of media where you see it and you're like, that is so timeless. It is so easily relatable to so many different cultures Mm -hmm. and different societies. And, you know, you will look back on that and you will reflect like, that's how the world was like. Mm -hmm. And I I just, I I, I mean, and and things are, are classic timeless masterpieces like that because they really do attest to the human experience. Right, yeah. And and Avatar The Last Airbender really truly does it. And I, and I think they, they hitch on that more in season two mm-hmm. um, and, and even more in season three, I would dare say. Well, like say. we but, see a lot of two themes of power and control yes. of power mm-hmm. and that will always be present, always. you know? There will mm-hmm. always be a struggle of like who's in control? How do they use their power? Mm-hmm. How do they use it for people versus themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so timely and so relevant. It will just go down as a timeless piece of media, even though it was created in a specific response to one time in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and going back to the Dick Cheney vice presidency, um, a lot of the things that he did were very behind the scenes and for himself. So, for instance, like um, there was very there was a lot of torture methods that were being used, especially during the Iraq War when Al Qaeda. Um, was based in Afghanistan. So mm-hmm. um, at least according to the movie, they took like poll groups and said like, what is Al-Qaeda? Like it would be easier if we went at war with one country. 
Um, and Al-Qaeda was based in Afghanistan, so we should have gone to war with Afghanistan. But Dick Cheney was a CEO of an oil company, and there was oil in Iraq that he wanted. So he found a member of Al-Qaeda, basically manipulated the media to claim that this member was at large in Iraq, and then went to war at Iraq so that they could take the oil there. Frick. Right? Very behind the, the scenes, hell? very controlling. And it's like similar to how Long Fang kind of controls power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That man who I said that they used as a catalyst for the war in Iraq, he was one of the men who created ISIS. Oh. And he was only able to do so with the publicity that the United States gave him. Well, so just it's, butter that bread and lie in it, why don't you dick? You know, it's so, it is so timely and it's so relevant. And I mean, like when I was watching this, it's a movie, it's not a documentary. When I was watching this, I was just blown away, not even by like the Dick Cheney president's vice presidency, but by the relations to Avatar and how relevant they were. You know, I saw Dick Cheney using his vice presidency as a way to manipulate and wield power over the president. And I was like, oh my God, that's Long Fang. You know, I wasn't thinking like, oh my God, how could he do that? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, it's, I already experienced this through media that I consumed as a child. Mm-hmm. So I have like a grasp on this and like yeah. how it works. Yeah, you, you, you know what's at stake. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I know the severity of it. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it was so good. Speaking of which, okay, not speaking of which, but also things that are very good. Sorry. Not I'm speaking of, you. but it is speaking which. So are we going to move on to... Uh, we are. Which, 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 which is which? Okay. The score. I'm sorry. Uh, the score yeah, 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 yeah. blew me away this season. The, mu- yeah, the music makes me cry so much. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy Zuckerberg is the writer of the music for this entire series, and he is so amazing. He does such a great job. I can't even tell you how many times like I think of the score by itself, and it mm-hmm. just I know exactly what is happening. I know what's going on. Um, God, I'm crying right now because I'm thinking of the desert scene. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I'm tearing up. And I just think of, like, when Aang goes on into the Avatar state and Katara grabs him. And it's, like, that theme of the Avatar. But it's, like, a very somber version of it, you know? Mm-hmm. it's It makes you feel sad. And that just speaks testaments to how well he can take these themes that are already established and change them to fit a feeling of a certain way. And That's art. That's art right there. Again, that same theme is used at the very end when Aang goes into the Avatar state and he finally gives up Katara and then he's struck down and she goes to catch him and oh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm like tearing up because I love, I love that moment. This is one of Jeremy Zuckerberg's very first projects outside of college. So um, Brike was in their 20s when they created this show. Um, Michael Dante DiMartino, I think, was like 28 when he created the series, and Brian Konietzko was like 25. And um, they knew Jeremy Zuckerberg through college. So he was like 23, 24 when he had started working on this show. Um, so I can only assume, and this isn't confirmed i can only assume he signed on this show without really reading the fine print of the contracts and basically what it turned out is nickelodeon holds all of the rights to the avatar music um so that's why you it's hard to find it anywhere you Mm -hmm. cannot find the scores on youtube um unless they're like fan recreations um you can't find them on spotify anywhere any music site because nickelodeon has them and they don't they won't release them um but when jeremy zuckerberg came back to do the legend of korra he knew what he was doing more and he has all the rights to those music that's why they're on spotify yada yada yada. um but this is just score blows me away Mm -hmm. um 
I already said I've cried a few times. Um, I mean, I haven't cried, but like I've definitely started tearing up and choked up a little bit. But I'm such an emotional person. I cried so much during the season. <laughs> there are so many episodes that just move me a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I it. was here. That's it. <laughs> and that's that. Um, but yeah, City of Walls and Secrets. I am very mad at all of you listeners for just skipping over that. Sam. Because it is literally one of the best episodes. And that might be spoilers for our best episodes of the season. But you know what? I don't care. Okay. So Serena, I told you that you're going to have to go through this because you yep. sign on. Uh-huh. You know, it was still pretty early in the season, but mm-hmm. you got some work to do. All right. So Throw it at me. Give me your rating for the very first episode, The Avatar State. I gave it a nine. I gave it a nine because I think it really sets up the season well emotionally. Yep. Um, it, I gave it, it a 10 for that reason. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> um, you know, it really does hint to what, what all the characters are going to experience yep. coming forward. And and it does such a great job at not just like throwing it out there, just like hinting at it, but and and not hinting at it too much where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I already know what's going to happen. It lays it out in a way where the viewer can constantly look back at it and see where they've gotten to, how they have gotten to this point. Exactly, yeah. And my favorite uh, character in this episode is Katara. Really? Mine was Azula. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Spicy. I loved Azula in this episode. I I agree. I agree. But I think because she just shows such a range of emotion mm-hmm. here. And, she really and does. depth and compassion. And, oh, yes. All right. Give me a rating for the second episode, The Cave of Two Lovers. <laughs> I give it a 10. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. I wanted to give this a 10, but Sam wouldn't let me. And what like, yeah, I was like, I have to give it a nine. I want to give it a 10. And he was like, it's not good enough for a 10. And I was like, but I want to. I am so proud of you. This is such a great episode. Oh my God, thank you. Thank so you. Thank you good. so much. I love this episode so much. Oh, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, who's your favorite character? It was Chung. <laughs> of course. It was for it sure, was. Chung. Of like, hands down. Of course, it was. Oh, my, my God. My boy. Okay, what about your rating for Return to Omashu, the third episode? Six. Hmm. Interesting. Would you care to explain why? I, I love how it how it sets up um, the Jing for, for when they find Toph later. Okay. But um, that was really the only thing that I was like, ooh, ooh, okay. Um, I, I mean, I guess when they were all like pretending to be plagued and stuff like that, I was like, these idiots. Mm-hmm. Which, which I mean, that was yeah. the joke, right? That the Fire yeah. Nation guards yeah. were idiots. Yep. Um, it just it didn't hit all of the boxes for me. Like yeah. like the whole the whole like hostage situation between Boomy and Tom Tom, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like that could have gone yeah better. See, I feel the same way. I gave it an H just because it was very action packed and entertaining. That's, that's very but true. I fully agree with you. It was mm-hmm. just there was not a lot going on there. Who was your favorite character? That Although episode? my favorite character was May. Yes, <laughs> she is such a mood. I know, she's so relatable. I love it. I love it when she like throws her last daggers and and she misses or whatever, and then she's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like she's just like, huh. and I'm like, me too, girl. Oh, me too. Honestly, relatable. Okay, the swamp. The swamp. The fourth episode. Yes. Rating. The swamp. I gave an eight. <sighs> okay. My favorite character was Aang. Okay. All right. All right. Um, we're just going to move past that. Um, <laughs> fifth episode, Avatar Day. Rating. So originally I gave it a seven, but I decided to change it to a six. Okay. I can stand behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
oh God, I don't know. I just, I thought it was like a really funny episode and it introduced a lot of history, mm-hmm. which I really, really admired and liked. And, and, it, and it shows um, a really vulnerable side to the Avatar state. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it kind of hinges back to like Return to Omashu. Like just there could have been more. And yeah. and also I just really like Boilerman oil. Like what the heck, bro? Mm-hmm. Like. And I know it plays later on or whatever, but... Who was your favorite character? Katara. Okay. Just because she was so... Um, she was the one... She was really fighting for Aang. She was really like, hey, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to... Um, we're going to find your case. We're going to we're gonna tackle it. We're going to, um, you know, prove this nut job what a whack he is. Mm-hmm. And then also she makes this face in this episode. And, and Katara doesn't make a lot of weird faces. Yeah. But she made a weird face. Like after Aang... Like delivered his Kyoshi performance or whatever. I remember that. Yep. Oh, just it was perfect. Okay, um, we're gonna cover this one, and then I do want to jump back to one episode. Um, Zuko or the Blind Bandit. Ten. Yeah, duh. Ten and, and Toph. obviously Toph. Yeah, yes. Duh. Oh God, perfect. Duh. That's yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's duh. there's really nothing you can yeah. yeah duh. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's jump back to the swamp. Yeah, I figured. Why did you give it an eight? I. I admire a lot how the swamp gave us insight to Katara, Sokka, and Aang. A lot of, like, into their their own traumas and their characters. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really admire how um, Aang felt like the swamp was calling to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There was, the, there was the mysticism of the swamp that was never really, like, identified. And, it, and I think it clashed mm-hmm. with, like, the swamp benders. Um, and and I don't know. I think I think they were trying to go for like a very sacred um, experience, um, but it felt a little bit invalidated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of why I gave it a three because like I felt all of those times ten to the tenth power. So I I really did not like that episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I liked it a lot in only that. Um, like you get a lot of background mm-hmm. from each character, yeah. and, and and although because obviously if you're gonna watch season two, you've seen season one, so you know like what's gonna um, like what's gonna haunt these characters. Yes. Um, and I did appreciate Momo and Appa's little adventure, I but um, I mean I think I think the swamp needed to happen, mm-hmm. uh, and it did. Uh, I don't think it landed fully, mm-hmm. but um, I think it landed just enough to earn like a higher spot on my end. But mm-hmm. not enough to be like, oh my god, this is so integral. <laughs> yeah, I I understand where you're coming from. I strongly disagree, though. Um, I guess you're looking more on the positive aspect of it. I guess if we were, I mean, av- this the episode's average rating between your rating and mine is a five point five. Mm-hmm. So That's I fair. I can see how the episode mm-hmm. overall is in a five point five, and you're looking on the positive side of it, and mm-hmm. I'm looking on the negative side of it. Yeah, yeah, Does that def- makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Cool. So, um, finally. Would you change any ratings? Yes. So let's see here. I think I gave the... Okay, so I gave the desert. I gave it a five. Mm-hmm. I changed it to a seven. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can... Yes. Yes. Um, uh, the Serpent's Pass. Um, I changed both of these. So the desert and the Serpent's Pass. Uh, the Serpent's Pass, I rated a seven. I would change that to a nine. Really? Would you care to yes. explain why? Um, there is just something that stuck with me in the action of the serpent's pass in 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 the birth of like that baby. Um, 
I don't know. It, it's it's one episode that I keep thinking about, mm-hmm. and I was like, I think it's it, it's just it's memorable mm-hmm. for me, and, and so I think it deserves a higher rating. Okay. I also changed Appa's Last Days. I th- think I gave a nine. I would change that to a seven. Okay. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can definitely get behind that as well. That was it. Other than like saying that if I were uh, a previous host, I would have given Avatar Day given, a seven, and I would. Changed it to a six. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, so I originally gave The Chase an eight, and I changed it to a seven. Oh, Um, I guess that was just really contrasted with Bitter Work. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt like they were kind of on the same page, but Bitter Work just did a little bit more for me than The Chase did, and I just couldn't really justify giving it an eight solely based off that final fight sequence. Yeah. Um, because both, really, they're both about conflicts with Toph, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the chase is about Katara's conflict with Toph, and then Bitter Work is about Aang's conflict with Toph, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just much more annoyed with Katara's conflict with Toph, even though it was justified, and mm-hmm. the fight just didn't really do enough for me. Oh, yeah. So I just, I just changed it to a seven. That makes um, sense. And then I am going to go back, and I prefaced this. <laughs> I gave the Cave of Two Lovers a ten. It was originally a nine, and I gave it a ten. Oh heck yeah! Oh, it's such yes. a good episode. It's a beautiful it's just, episode. It's, you you don't get any better than this. No, it's, it's ugh, just it ugh. does comedy so right. Yes, and especially such, for a kids show, it's such a special way too. It's yeah. not stupid. It's funny. It is know? funny. Like, like as I an would adult, really enjoyed it's this episode. Funny. Yeah. Yep. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job, guys. Great job. Good job, gang. Great job. Serena, here we are, the end of the season, and we're still giving our verdicts. Verdicts! Who was your favorite character for the entirety of season two? So I have a favorite character and then an honorable mention. That makes sense. My overall favorite character? I think I know who it is. It's tough. My honorable mention is Ty Lee. (laughs) You continue to surprise me. Of, like, of course my favorite character is going to be Toph. Like, she is the most badass. I love each and every one of her fight scenes. <laughs> like, I, I, like, honestly, yeah, she's kind of there for pocket convenience sometimes. And, like, you know what? That's fine. I just love her. I will tell you, I will never understand Toph stands like you. <laughs> I just don't get it. I do. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you, yeah, she's yeah, been your yeah. favorite character so often. That's true. Um. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, approximately three times. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised because out of all of your favorite characters, you picked Katara four times and Iroh four times. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were going to pick Iroh. Really? Yeah. No, definitely tough. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. It, it really does. Yeah. Now that I'm saying it out loud yeah. and now that you're hearing it. <sighs> I'm just not happy about it. It's okay. I'll be happy for the both okay. of us. Okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> All right, Tyler, who is your overall favorite season character? Mine was Zuko. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Our boy. I mean, like, especially this last half of the season. Over the last, like, six episodes, he was my favorite character four times. Um, yep. He's just, oh, he's going through a lot. He is, he's working through he is, it, too. And it's and, really relatable, and it's oh, so, gosh. like, oh, I just, yeah, I don't know. He he goes through a lot of changes in this season, and I think it's very impactful how he deals with those changes. So, right on. 
Right on. I have no qualms with that. Zuko, you So we're going to Oh, thank you. Um, we are going to go on to our overall rating, and I want to say first, um, Serena, your average overall rating for this season was eight point two five. We do not do um, decimals, we do not do halves, we just do whole numbers. So your overall rating average would be eight. What would you rate this season? Nine. Okay. Pretty, I think pretty close. I think that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like the only the like one of the qualms that I have though with this season is that um is is the ending is I didn't feel like there was enough of a climax in the, really? in the yeah. Well, hmm. I mean, compared to season 1, I just don't think it holds up, but I think overall it's way more consistent. So much more mature, very mm-hmm. entrancing, mm-hmm. in-depth characterizations, like, oh, just the whole shebang, yep. really well-written, each and every one, for the most part, like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh, my God. Um, so what was your calculated score? I was going to say, like, with what you say, not, mm-hmm. okay. My, so my average score is 8.3. Oh, oh my God, ours are really close. Yeah, which that gives us a combined score of 8.275 for the overall oh. season. I gave this season a 10. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, I say when we give ratings, a 10 is not a perfect episode. A 10 is something that stands above and beyond anything else and makes it special. Mm-hmm. And that's this season. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. from the very beginning to the very end, it's difficult for me to find something wrong with this season. Um, it just mm-hmm. constantly and consistently blows me away. Especially as an impresses overall. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you look at it as a whole, it is just the most cohesive, put together, um, well thought out, well planned. It is a very intricate season and they do so so well with it everything is weaved together just very very beautifully mm-hmm. it's it, it's so artistic it really is it, it, yeah is what it is it's it's perfect That's she's just, a she's a shiner i just i i have no words well okay. i mean we had oh, a else. whole script of words but you know what Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> i just had to it's a wrap-up it's a rattle right. that'll do that's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with the production company, Son of M Productions, and Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Make sure you guys join us next week. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please feel free to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it. Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R bender P-O-D. Also check out our Patreon. Starting at a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes as well as behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes. You can find us there by searching the Avatar Podcast, Yip Yip, or by using the link in the description of this episode. I'm Tyler Stramberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7, that's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N, and then number seven. And I'm Serena Schreifels, the co-host of the show. You can follow me on Instagram at Serena underscore Schreifels, that's S-E-R-E-N-A underscore S-C-H-R-E-I-F-E-L-S. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. You betcha. Top five best episodes. <gasps>